Welcome, Nerd Herders, to yet another episode of Go Chuck Yourself. In this episode, Aaron and I are going to be recapping Season 2, Episode 10 of Chuck. That is Chuck versus the DeLorean, my friends. Uh, and before we get started, Erin uh, has a few things that she wants me to say on the air. Aaron, what, what were those things? Yep. Okay. Yep. Aaron wants me to tell you that you can email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And anything else? What? Sure. Okay. Yep. Uh, make sure that you follow us on Twitter at gochuckyourselfpodcast and feel free to tweet at us. We love hearing from you. Any, any, come on. We got to start the show. Aaron. Yep. Mm hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. And then lastly, Aaron wants me to remind you to check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Maybe listen to some episodes that you haven't already. And don't forget to like and subscribe and write a review if you feel so compelled. Is that it? Aaron, are we good? Can we start the show? Okay, here we go. It's Go Chuck Yourself, the world's favorite Chuck podcast, season two, episode 10. My name is Chris Gillespie. This is Go Chuck Yourself. This episode specifically is about Chuck versus the DeLorean. Uh, the DeLorean is, of course, a car. That is my information that I have about the DeLorean. What do you have, Aaron? Uh, well, I'll save it for later in the episode when we're actually talking about the DeLorean. But uh, yeah, it, I can confirm that it is a car. I was a little worried when you started this episode uh, and didn't leave space for me to chime in that you were just going to go and I was just going to be like laughing in the background the whole time. So thank you. You and I both. That is a concern that I had where I was like, I do not know where I'm going with this and I'm not giving Aaron any uh, leeway to enter. But here we are. We are both here. Go chuck yourself. Season two, episode 10. I think it's the third time I said that. That's fine. Uh, look. Before we get started talking about the episode, I feel like there are things that have happened that we need to address. Mistakes Obviously, were made, not by us. Not Maybe by, by us. us. But this is the first time that we're recording since uh, there was a little snafu with an episode that was being released. I think it was episode three. Uh, it was some kind of issue with the RSS feed and the uh, the hosting platform. Not the, the hosting platform, not like us as hosts of the show, but... The platform, <laughs> we're actually part of a podcast hosting agency that rents out different podcast hosts to different shows. Um, that would be no, kind of fun. I would I would work for that. That would be a good idea. Please um, give us jobs. <laughs> there's some kind of issue. I scheduled the episode to come out and then it just didn't. So I apologize if you were looking for that and you were confused for a week about where that episode was, because trust me, I also was confused. But we uh, resolved whatever the issue was and is out now. So hopefully it wasn't that big of a deal. But I just want to say that I'm sorry that that happened. So uh, listening to this episode in August, you will uh, remember back to June when this issue occurred, which you probably didn't even notice. Uh, and you can know that we are sorry it happened. Look, Aaron, I know <laughs> I can't help but comment on the the structure and how, you know, like I want to be breaking the fourth wall with the podcast and letting people know how it's how it's going down i'm gonna be real with them i don't i know it has no bearing on anyone listening to any of these episodes but i just want the listeners to know that i'm i'm sorry i was just thinking about today how uh in our second episode um you wanted to address some of the errors that we had made in our first episode and I, I think that's an interesting uh, insight into your psyche, I suppose, because I'm just like, move on. Don't worry. If nobody commented on it, nobody cares. Here, you, yeah, here we go. Speaking of that, we yes. do have a correction that we would want to make. Well, quasi-correction. Again, um, a correction from June. So you will be listening to this in August and you can uh, think back on times past, simpler times. So here at Go Chuck Yourself, we have a, a running joke where we refer to uh, television star Matt Bomber as the star of a USA Network show called Suits. We've been doing this for a while. Maybe, I think in every episode that Matt Bomber appears, we say yes. that he's the star of Suits. Yeah. Brought to our attention recently uh, by a listener, Sydney. Sydney, how's it going? Hello. Sydney, Thank you for listening. For listening. Um, Sydney had pointed out that uh, Matt Bomber is actually in the USA Network show White Collar. What? Not Suits. I did read that tweet. They... Okay, so the thing with this is that, at least from my perspective, I, I feel like I knew this originally. 
And I feel like I was being a little cheeky. And that was the the joke, you know, saying that he was from Suits, but I really knew that he wasn't from Suits. But the issue is that since we were joking so often, I lost touch with the actual <laughs> kernel of truth. And I have been recently living my life thinking that Matt Barber is just legitimately from Suits. So I appreciate Sydney uh, bringing us back to reality. And yes, thank you. We needed that. Matt Bomber is uh, in white collar. Take us down a peg, please. Everyone, we, all our listeners, do it, please. Don't, don't, do not. Don't do, it that. On, don't do it on iTunes because we need positive reviews on iTunes. Please <laughs> give us positive reviews on iTunes. But if you want to take us down a peg uh, in real life, I guess. Sydney, thank you. That was very nice. And we also appreciate you uh, say, telling us that you binge listen to all of our episodes. Yes, that was so nice. Thank you, Sydney. That's, I am impressed and I'm also sorry for you, but I <laughs> just wanted to give you a shout out. And a big thank you. Um, shout out uh, as well to to Andrew, who is a, a listener that uh, sent us a message a very long time ago, um, especially <laughs> when this episode is coming out. I That is my fault. I forgot to tell Chris to do a shout out. So that's my fault. But thank you to Andrew. Uh, sent us a very kind Twitter message. Um, and we are happy to have you as a listener. And we are happy to have you in our Twitter messages. The episode is Chuck versus the DeLorean, so I think it's okay that we're doing a little bit of time traveling and kind ah, of going fast and loose with the time right. travel rules. I'm sure you were not planning to say that this whole time. <laughs> when you go into the past, that past becomes your future, so you can't change. Changing the past doesn't change the future. Avengers Endgame? No, <laughs> isn't it? It's, yeah, Endgame. It is. We can uh, talk about it now because uh, I think... Our, one of the last times we were recording, I had seen it, but you had not. But now you have seen it. And now, hopefully, everyone else has seen it because it's probably out on DVD by the time this episode is out. Yeah, I think it comes out by the end of July. Amazing. It'll, it will finish its uh, fourth run in theaters probably <sighs> also by that point. Great. So many re-releases. Okay, so also, this is, I want to go back in time, specifically to the year 2002. You know where I'm going with this. Yes. Do I? It's 2002. All the right. band Simple Plan okay. has released a single and You've created a me. music video for the song I'm Just a Kid. Yes, okay. Off, off of their album No Pads, No Helmets, Just Balls. Oh, I remember that album. And if you watch the music video and you are paying attention, if you look at the 1 minute 46 second mark, who appears, but who do you think appears? Is it someone from Chuck? Yes. Is it Zachary Levi? No. Is it Morgan? No. Is it Yvonne? No. Am I going to just keep naming characters? Uh, <laughs> you could. Beckman. Yeah. Oh, it's a he? It's a he. Okay. I'll give you that. But I'll uh, also... Jeff or Lester? No. Okay. He oh, is it uh, uh, Devin? <laughs> I'm trying to give you a clue here. Okay, okay. He appears in 31 episodes of Chuck. Okay. Big Mike. No. 30, how many episodes of Chuck are there? Um, Tony Hale. Almost, almost 100. No. I, please just tell me. I can't, I can't just, I can't do this. In this music video is Jesse Hyman. Oh my God. AKA Fernando. That's incredible. This is such exciting news. What is he doing? Uh, he's playing a tuba and or shouting. Is he just a kid? I think he's just a kid. Is he just the kid? Is he the kid that they are no, referring he's, to? He's one of many kids. Uh, okay. Lots of kids. I remember. Uh, I remember that music video. I do not remember him. Um, I remember that uh, song was in Cheaper by the Dozen, which was a movie I really liked because I also wanted to have twelve siblings, so it was wish fulfillment. Uh, watching it, I also wanted Hillary Duff to be living in my house, but that's a different story. We're gonna reel it back in. <laughs> um. I was thinking I was going to ask you if it was like someone uh, this is probably with an extra. This is probably not the case. But I was wondering if McG directed that music video, because I know McG is one of the producers on some episodes of Chuck. Oh, I don't know. McG directs music videos. I was at a uh, a bowling alley recently for a a friend's bachelor party. Loyal, loyal listener of the show, Andy. Andy, how's it going? Hi, Andy. Uh, Yeah, they just kept playing music videos at the bowling alley from like playing 90s and early 2000s mm-hmm. pop punk and i was just watching the tv and all of a sudden i was like holy shit fernando fernando there he is you uh you also have to acknowledge that you did send me a picture of big mike in a show that you were watching so that guess was pretty good on my part actually 
yes, Mar- uh, Mark Christopher Lawrence appears in the new season of The Detour, now on TBS. Okay, Sounds that's like they're advertising, has. but they're not. I just like that show a lot. I think you should like, you should check it out. It's very funny. Is he like a extra, or is he like in a like a reoccurring cast member? Um, well, he was only in one episode so far. He was in okay. a supporting role as okay. a uh, I will say a police officer with dreams of Hollywood. That's nice. Well, is he is does the detour uh, take place in Los Angeles? No, it does not. Okay, so it seems like he's, uh, if, if we follow the trajectory of Big Mike's career, it seems like he's moving a little bit backwards. Like, he moved up by becoming a police officer as opposed to the manager of a bimor, but he moved backwards by moving away from Hollywood if he wants to be in Hollywood, so. it's a good point. Speaking of Hollywood, a, uh, another actor from Chuck recently hosted the MTV Movie Awards. That was Zachary Levi. That was Zachary Levi. Yeah. He, he plays a kind of a big role in Chuck. <laughs> uh, also, Tony Hale from Chuck. Uh, in the new movie Toy Story 4. Yeah, is he is he uh, Forky? I think so. That's amazing. I Somebody said that. I wasn't like thinking about it because I saw Toy Story 4. I wasn't thinking about it, but Forky is a great character. If everything goes according to plan, I will be seeing Toy Story 4 after we are done recording this. How exciting. All right, well, I will try not to keep you from it and maybe we can just get started talking about the episode. I am recording this in the bathroom of a movie theater. <laughs> so, yes. Okay. Now, now that we've we're finished our time tra- traveling, I would oh, say... Let back us... to the present. There you go. With Chuck versus the DeLorean. So the episode... Uh, I, I want to point out here that I have recently been catching up on the Great British Baking Show. Uh, so that's clearly very relevant to Chuck. But the uh, final <laughs> season on Netflix of the Great British Baking Show is uh, begins with... Uh, Noel Fielding in a uh, dock outfit and um, saying, we have to go back to the past. And then they get in the DeLorean. Like there's a DeLorean in that episode too. So I was just thinking it was pretty crazy that I watched those two episodes so close to each other. It's like, it's almost like back to the future is a uh, thing that people reference a lot. All the time, <laughs> forever. Um, I also, this is another, uh, I guess, notes, my notes that I took on this episode, uh, begin with me talking about other things unrelated to the episode but I was eating while I was getting ready to watch the episode, and I have to take notes, so I couldn't be eating when I turned it on. So I was just staring at the Amazon home screen for a while, and I wanted to read you the episode description. I don't know if you have this same description or any descriptions while watching it on the DVD, but I'm just going to. I uh, thought it was fun. It says, Chuck spies Sarah on a date with an older man and has an intersect flash. Sarah reveals the identity of the mystery man. Well, those things, they, those things do happen in this episode. That is, that is true. I guess they, like, didn't want to reveal, like, who Gary Cole would be playing, maybe? I guess so. They, they really wanted to conserve that first three minutes of the episode <laughs> where you don't know what his character is. Instead yeah, of being where like, you things cannot go, guess. Things go off the rails when Sarah's dad comes to town. <laughs> yeah. So the episode actually starts on a flashback to Montana, I think, in 1991. We see a young blonde girl who actually looks a lot like adult Sarah. I don't know if that's weird to say, but I thought that was pretty good casting. I don't know that we know that it's supposed to be Sarah, but you can kind of guess. Um, She's riding her bike past an armored truck about to leave a bank. As the truck pulls out, the girl screams and the truck stops and the drivers get out and see this girl crying on the ground. One of the drivers says, she's hurt. Someone call 911, which I just liked as a line because he just takes one look at her and he's like, she's hurt. Uh, Then Gary Cole shows up. He has a mustache and he says he's a doctor and he'll take the little girl to the hospital because he thinks she has some broken ribs. They help him put the little girl in his car and he drives off. Uh, I guess that's okay in uh, 1991 in Montana. Just let a man take a girl away. Uh, After a second, the little girl sits up. She's clearly fine and she asks how much they got. Gary Cole shows her a bunch of money. They were robbers. They were grifting. They were on the con. We transition to Sarah uh, in the present. She's also wearing braids, which I thought was a nice touch because the little girl in the beginning was wearing braids. So it was kind of like a little visual clue to what was going on. Um, She's doing some money stuff in the orange orange. Chuck comes in and invites her on a fake date with Ellie and Devin saying there will be fake cuddling, but real pizza, which sounds like my kind of date, to be honest. Oh, Sarah says she has plans. Chuck is confused by this, which I think is kind of valid because as far as he knows, Sarah doesn't have much of a regular people life outside of spy work. But I personally was really proud of Sarah for branching out because I was thinking maybe she joined a book club. Maybe she is going to audition for like a burger commercial. Maybe she's heading back to San Diego to visit her good friend Dick Duffy in prison. 
Yeah, with last in the last episode, we were talking like, does Sarah do anything for fun? Like, what yeah. does she do in her personal time? Yeah, Sarah time, you know. Yeah, maybe so, this is uh, what she does. Maybe yeah. she goes and she, you know, she has plans, and that's fine. Chill, yeah. chill out. Yeah. So I, I write that he Chuck is kind of a jerk about all this. I think uh, the implication we find out some of. Uh, no, I guess I guess at this point it's just straight up like jealousy. Like he's he's confused about what she's doing. I think maybe there's an implication that he's a little jealous that maybe she's like going on a date or has like fallen in love with someone else, uh, much like Chuck fell in love with someone else in the last episode. <laughs> um, but Chuck is trying to suss out what exactly Sarah is doing. So first he goes to ask Casey. Casey says he knows, but won't tell Chuck because it's personal. Good looking out, Casey. Yeah, that was actually really nice of Casey. Like he's I mean, I know he is a spy, so he's used to secrets, but it was nice to uh he was he was he was a good friend this episode. That was kind mm. of a theme of this episode. So my next note in all capitals is Anna is back. So I was pretty excited about this. Here, uh, sorry to stop you. No, Anna please. appears in the same number of episodes according to IMDb as Fernando. <laughs> I mean, that Fernando's makes sense. like uh, he's in like the top ten characters in terms of appearance. Well, it does. I don't want to give spoilers, but Anna goes away after season three, and I think Fernando stays. So it kind of makes sense that she's like a big deal in the first two seasons, and then yeah, yeah. So uh, we we are treated to a sight of Morgan trying to seduce Anna in the home theater room by closing the see through curtains, uh, despite the fact that it's during business hours. So I don't know what he thinks that's going to do or why anyone would be into that. Maybe uh, I, I think uh, I don't think we're trying to learn about their voyeuristic tendencies. I think we are just Morgan is dumb, but uh, whatever. Anna tells Morgan she's sick of hooking up at work and Morgan asks what their other options are. <laughs> Anna has on hand a brochure. Remember those? Uh, for an apartment complex. She says she thinks they're ready to move in together, despite the fact that we haven't seen her in five episodes. Morgan is rattled by this and says he can't afford it. It's too big of a step, etc. Um, and I wrote down that while I hate Morgan, I did kind of appreciate some of the dialogue in the scenes because it feels realistic that like on a dime, Morgan turns it to like, you need to think about this. You shouldn't rush into this as opposed to like we. I thought that was kind of like a clever uh, indication into what he is thinking or what he is trying to indicate to her. I like that. Also, I liked Anna's pigtails. Thought that was a good look, and I think uh, adults wearing pigtails should be more of a thing in modern society. Morgan comes to talk to Chuck about his feelings on Anna's proposal, and Chuck completely ignores him. Continuing to be both a bad friend and a bad employee, he asks to borrow Morgan's bike in order to go spy on Sarah, so he's also a bad fake boyfriend. Uh, and he finds out that Sarah is out with Gary Cole. <gasps> the guy from Montana. <laughs> Gary Cole is a, a national treasure. I'm just going to say that right now. What else is... I know Gary Cole from the West Wing. What else is he in? What else is Gary Cole in? <laughs> uh, well, the Amazon description said Desperate Housewives, the West Wing, and I assume he's been in other things than those. No, he's he's been in so many things. He's been in... Uh, he was the voice of Harvey Birdman, personal favorite of mine. I know what that is. That's not, um, that's not the same as Birdman, the film. That's something else. No, it's a different thing. It's a cartoon. I do know uh, what it is. He was in the... The Brady Bunch movie. He played Mr. Brady. That's nice. In, in both that and the sequel. He was in Dodgeball as a sports commentator. These are just a few of the the pieces that Gary You're Cole naming been things in. that like aren't good. <sighs> I mean, Harvey Birdman is probably fine. Harvey Birdman is no, they're all good. Okay. I don't know if they're they're good, good, but they're they're good for what they are. Yeah. Well, but he's good. He's good yes. in everything that he's No, he's, he's yeah, he's he's very good in this. He's good in everything I've seen him in. So, okay, Gary Cole. Chuck observes some sort of date-like gestures, like Gary Cole opening the door for Sarah and giving her his jacket, putting hair behind her ear, etc. Chuck says, which I think is really a dickish move, plans, huh? Which, that is obviously plans. That's a plan. She's hanging out with someone. That is a plan, Chuck. Chuck follows them to a second location, and it's dark now, so he's been gone from work for a really long time. <laughs> Sarah and Gary Cole are sitting down to dinner at a nice restaurant while Chuck hides behind a menu a few tables over. He says, how old is this guy? Which is rude to Gary Cole. Like, you know, he's not that old. He's like dad age. Uh, then he sees a scar on Gary Cole's wrist and he flashes, seeing that Gary Cole was arrested for larceny, theft, etc., etc. Meanwhile, Sarah has her phone open to Chuck's GPS tracking stuff. I'm not really sure why. Uh, 
she just has that open just right on the table but well, she have seems- you seen chuck before of course That's you should fair. keep yeah. your tabs I mean, on him yes but it just to sounds make sure like that he's not spying on her at this exact moment. <laughs> well, uh, he is, and she finds that out. She sees that he's nearby, and she looks behind her and sees him uh, hastily hide behind a menu. Gary Cole says, let's eat, which is weird, considering <laughs> they don't have food at that time. They haven't ordered yet. Sarah <laughs> excuses herself to talk to Chuck. She asks what he's doing there, and he takes this time to talk about the much, much, much older man she's out with. Again, rude. He eventually tells her he flashed, and Gary Cole is a bad man. Sarah tries to cut him off, but Chuck keeps talking about the flash. Gary Cole comes up behind Chuck and says, All true, but I'm a hell of a dancer. Sarah introduces Chuck to her dad, Jack. What? what, what, what? <gasps> Sarah was the little girl in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, so the, Gary Cole's uh, Sarah's dad, and I'm going to call him Jack now. Chris might not, just as a warning. Uh, We don't really find out how the rest of that dinner encounter turned out because the next scene is Sarah and Jack in her apartment. He makes her French toast in... At at this point, I realize that we've never seen a kitchen in Sarah's apartment. I'm not really clear on if Sarah's apartment is supposed to be a hotel or an apartment because later there's like definitely a hotel lobby kind of situation. So I don't really know. I'm not clear. I'm also not clear where this French toast comes from. This is like day one stuff. We talked about this in like the first episode. Yeah, did we come to an answer though? No, we were like, it looks like a hotel. And we're like, it feels like a hotel, but it must be an apartment, right? But uh, But it seems so much like a hotel. Yeah, I've never seen a kitchen in it. So that's that's my only point here. Um, Jack talks to Sarah about her work at the Orange Orange. He seems dubious that she would do that and would be able to afford her apartment, which is fair. Or staying for months or years in a hotel. Yes. Uh, he assumes that Sarah is working an angle with Chuck, who he thinks must be some kind of Beverly Hills heir. Sarah tells Jack that Chuck is her boyfriend and makes twelve dollars an hour, which wasn't it twelve fifty before? Like I know it was eleven dollars, and I thought it was twelve fifty. What was it when he went, when he was on the phone with Jill? Like when he uh, snuck onto that call? Didn't he say it's twelve fifty an hour? I thought it was twelve. Okay, I could it's, be wrong. I, it's probably twelve, and I'm just misremembering. Anyway, uh, Sarah tells Jack to stay away from Chuck. Jack says, hey, you don't want to cut me in? Fine. Which is absolutely absurd because he just arrived. And if Sarah was conning Chuck, why would Jack be entitled to any of it? Get real, Gary Cole. That's something I've always wanted to say. (laughs) Don't you think if you came into a large sum of money, your parents would be expecting like, you know, I mean, they did raise you (laughs) and like fund your education and, you know, put clothes on you. He's been in prison. She hasn't seen him since she was like 18 years old. Like, he just shows up, like, and he's like, yep. Well, we don't find... I need some walking around money. We don't find anything out about, like, how he appeared back in her life. Like, he just is back in her life. So I don't know, like, maybe he contacted her a while ago. Like, I don't know. But it was just... I I feel like it came through, like, in a text message. It was like, hey, I'm going to be in L.A. this week. Are you around? Like, (laughs) that's without explaining where he came from. And she was probably like, okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So Jack has a suitcase full of money that Sarah guesses must be almost a million dollars. Jack reveals that he conned it out of Sheikh Rajiv Ahmad, who have a Saudi oil family. Sarah I would is just like to, <laughs> I would like to take this moment to say that this episode, maybe more so than any other episode, will be miserable for us to say, talk about based on how many like complicated words and different languages and fancy names. And this episode is very not podcast friendly. I felt very attacked as I was watching it. This is not palatable for me. And somebody's well, writing down notes to recite this later. Well, we will we will do our best. We'll do our best. Sarah is alarmed by the uh, the fact that her dad conned a uh, oil family and says that she has to go to work. Presumably, we we know to try to deal with that in some capacity. Um, a, a line that Jack says as he is uh, as Sarah is leaving is. A thief has to run out of town as fast as he can. A good con man can leave whenever he wants. Which made me think of uh, when I was in The Music Man. Another another comment he says in this scene is, My daughter knows her Arabs. Good. Good for her. So Sarah immediately calls Beckman uh, w- with Chuck and Casey there, which seems like maybe she could have done it privately, but more power to her uh, for wanting to involve her friends. She says to Beckman, Just give the order and I'll bring him in. And Chuck is absolutely floored by this and says, you'd arrest your own father. So this is uh, one of our first, uh, we we saw in the last episode how um, Chuck has some issues with his dad and is maybe looking for his dad to be um, at Ellie's wedding. So this is the first 
uh, indication we get of Chuck having further feelings about fathers and specifically how Sarah relates to her own father. We find out from Beckman that Ahmad is on the CIA's terror watch list, so Beckman asks Sarah to talk to her father and find out as much as she can about Ahmad and his financial holdings. Sarah says her father is unaware of her CIA career, and Beckman says she can do all this without compromising her cover. A few episodes ago, we talked about how all of Beckman's missions seem to be like, oh, something happened to you guys? Yes, go look into that. So this is a very evident example of that. Very reactive instead of proactive. Yes. Um, the next scene is Morgan jumps in through Chuck's window, but Chuck has already left for work. Instead, Morgan talks to Devin, who is looking very good in a shirt and tie. I realize I'm very into him when he's in a shirt and tie, as opposed to when he's shirtless. Like, he's, he looks good when he's shirtless, but like shirt and tie, I'm like, yes, that's good. <laughs> he, um, I, I follow him on, I believe, Instagram now, and he posts lovely pictures with him and his wife. They were in Wisconsin this past week, and they were enjoying the sun and the surf. The surf of Wisconsin? I mean, like, they were, they were at a lake. Like, they weren't surfing in the lake. Okay. But my parents were just in Wisconsin and they went to a water skiing show. So you can, uh, that's kind of like surfing. I guess. Coincidence? <laughs> yeah. I think not. Oh my God. Maybe they, maybe they ran into each other. What my if they parents like, wouldn't know. What if your parents did like a, a swingers kind of thing with okay, Ryan McPartland? Please do not talk about my, my parents like that. Just I'm say sure, it. I'm sure he is like a very kind and generous lover, but I don't want to think about it. Um, so Morgan talks to Devin about his worries about Anna wanting to move in together. Devin says it's a big step, but it's time for Morgan to grow up, which is pretty funny and ironic in the scene because Morgan opens the Bartowski's fridge and begins making himself chocolate milk during this conversation. Devin says he'll lend Morgan the money for the apartment, and both Morgan and I get a little tearful when Devin says he's doing it because he believes in Morgan, but also because he'll charge 12% interest, going up two points every week until Morgan pays him back, which is... A lot? A lot of interest? Wait, he was starting at 12 and going up, or he was, was going to be starting at zero and then... No, he was starting at 12, going up two points each week. Oh, so Morgan should pay him off faster. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's a pretty good deal, I guess, for Morgan. It's okay. Um, Get $2,500? Yeah. 12% so he, of that's like 300 He gets uh, $2,500, which seems kind of low to me. Like, I guess... Him and Anna are pooling their resources, but 2500 for, like, an apartment, like, you have to put, like, first and last month, you have to put, like, if I don't, I don't know how this apartment works, like, maybe there's a rental fee or something, like, it seems pretty low, but, uh, yeah, he gets, furnishings. yeah, so he gets $2,500, Devin says, welcome to adulthood, we've been waiting for you. <laughs> First, he teaches him how to tuck in his shirt. Now he's giving them. I know. I I do really like the Devin Morgan adulthood like dynamic. I like like it too. Yeah. It's a nice uh, little change of pace. Yes. Meanwhile, Chuck is really concerned that Sarah would arrest her own father. We learn this is because he thinks Sarah's dad seems nice and seems to care. And Chuck doesn't even know where his own father is. As Chuck is thinking about this, Morgan approaches him. It's one of the same plot lines that we've seen from Morgan before. He tells Chuck that he and Anna are moving in together and seems completely dejected by the fact that he's an adult now. He says it's the end of his and Chuck's run and begins calling Chuck Charles. I know that Morgan is a very immature character, um, but he uh, every time he takes a foray into adulthood, um, this, this kind of thing happens. He did not gel his hair or begin wearing a tucked-in shirt again, but uh, it's kind of the same idea. As Morgan is walking back towards Anna, who is waving happily to him, Jeff and Lester appear and say there's a really hot woman in the store. Morgan will just follow them. I was really grossed out until it turned out that the woman was actually a DeLorean, which is a car. As we established earlier. It's a car. So apparently the Bymore fixes cars now? They install audio systems in cars that you can leave overnight in a garage section of the Bymore that we've never seen. Yep. Well, we'll probably never see it again, but we do see it twice in this episode. The buy more never never ceases to amaze. I know. It's it's uh, all things to all people. They have no like organization system or categorization system to their DVD aisle, which I noticed in this episode. Oh no. They someone's putting back DVDs and they're just tossing them everywhere. <laughs> I'm just looking at them like, wait a second, are they is it alphabetical? Is it genre? I think it would be very difficult to find a DVD there. Yep, but it is uh, easy to find a car. Yes, very easy to find a car. As we are uh, looking at the DeLorean, Morgan says the exact car from Back to the Future, as if there are any other DeLoreans in media that anyone cares about. 
The owner of the car explains he's having trouble selling it, giving a whole bunch of reasons why it's a piece of shit. Morgan looks out of the garage window and sees Anna smiling at him, God help her, and promptly says he'll buy the car, I guess with Devin's money. Chuck arrives at Sarah's apartment in the next scene and overhears her talking to her father. In the, Like, they're in the bathroom. We cut between Chuck outside and them in the bathroom, so I don't know why the uh, walls are so thin that Chuck can hear them, like, from the hallway, but he can. Jack is worried because he stole Chuck's ATM card, which we see is a buy more card. So that's like it's it has like buy more stuff on it. I don't know. I don't know why he doesn't just have like a normal card unrelated to buy more. But whatever. Um, he's Jack has seen that Chuck only has twenty two hundred dollars to his name. So good on Chuck for saving up. I was pretty impressed. Uh, once Jack is out of the room and Chuck is in it, Sarah returns his debit card. Chuck isn't upset and says Jack is just being protective of Sarah. Sarah says, you're attributing good intentions to him because you're a good person, which is kind of a sweet moment, but also it's continuing the theme of Chuck being kind of trusting or putting his own desires onto someone else. Mm. Um, apparently, we find out that they're all going out to dinner together, so I'm not sure why Jack left the apartment and like gave uh, Chuck and Sarah some time to talk. Like Jack just goes out into the hallway and Chuck goes in. I don't know where Jack went. I'll leave, I'll give you kids some alone time to put on your shoes. Yeah. I'll be in the hallway. <laughs> That's nice of him, I guess. We move on to a dinner where Sarah, Jack, and Chuck are talking about Sarah and Jack's cons when she was a child, which apparently, I guess because uh, Chuck knows, Chuck admitted to knowing about Jack's past and, like, the last time they met, it's okay to, for them to now, like, tell him in detail everything. I don't know. Um, Jack says, no kid had as much fun as you did. Sarah seems a little unsure of all of this, but Chuck is pretty taken by Jack, or else he's trying to butter Jack up because he asks him about his latest score. It seems kind of weird, especially that uh, Jack would just tell a stranger about this, but uh, okay, I'll buy it. Jack says, stealing from Ahmad was his Mona Lisa. He says, Ahmad and his company were just dying to buy anything American. Sarah says, oh no, you didn't, and explains to Chuck that Jack pulled a Liechtenstein. I guess that's another one of the words that we're going to have trouble with. Chuck is confused, which is completely warranted, because when he asks for more information, Sarah says Lichtenstein is an invention of her father's, so I don't know why she phrased it that way, as if Chuck would know. <laughs> Apparently, though, Jack pretended to be a billionaire who's fallen on hard times, or I guess we find out the agent of a billionaire who's fallen on hard times and needs to sell something fast. He sold a mod Nagamichi Plaza, which is a big L.A. skyscraper. And I actually have a fun fact for you that I went uh, I went to a restaurant today and I was uh, driving through the city and I did pass this building that I have never seen or noticed before. But I did. Wait, you uh, did? Yeah, I did. Today I saw it. Which you is watched so this weird. episode yesterday? Yeah, it was really weird. <laughs> That's but it's, a um, fuck. I believe it's called Fox Plaza in real life. But I think... I, I'm not positive about this, but I think Nagamichi Plaza is kind of is somehow a reference to Die Hard. In some yeah, way. that's what I was okay. thinking. All right. Um, Chuck is super impressed and Sarah is worried. Jack says by the time Ahmad realizes anything is wrong, Jack will be on an island. Chuck seems to be really taken in by Jack and they agree that the bigger the lie, the easier it is to believe. I don't think that's true, but that is a, a concept that they come back to in this episode. I yeah, I guess it makes sense because no one expects you to be lying about not owning a building. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. I could do that. You could it seems sell pretty easy. I could sell a building that I don't own. Okay, well, I think this this episode outlines it pretty well. All right, well, um, stay tuned for our next episode when uh, Chris tells us either that he succeeded or Chris is in prison and I am the sole host of this show. Well, I mean, my my whole defense could be like I was just kidding, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't actually a, own that building. Joke. I thought we were just doing a bit. <laughs> so Chuck <laughs> wants to know if Sarah's dad bought them as a couple. He's apparently more excited by the whole scam than I thought because he suggests that he and Sarah ramp up the PDA to sell it a little more. <laughs> I guess he's very excited by talking to Sarah's dad about cons. Unfortunately, before this can happen, he flashes on a large group of men who've just entered the hotel. It's Sheik Rajiv Ahmad. Ah... Chuck and Sarah watch Ahmad approach Jack and demand more information about his building, seeming to think that Jack has scammed him. Sarah approaches and pretends to be Jack's assistant or Lichtenstein's assistant, um, and everything seems to be going south very quickly until one of the hotel employees runs up and says, is there a Mr. Lichtenstein here? And Chuck 
snaps his fingers and takes on the role of Liechtenstein. That's right. Chuck pretends to be the German billionaire in order to help sell Jack's uh, facade, his ruse, if you will. And then the Sheik says that he will kill Liechtenstein, nay, Chuck, the next day if he does not get his building. He's uh, not a very patient man. So we fast forward to the following morning where Ellie is paying bills <laughs> and looking over her and Devin's joint finances and notices that $2,500 is missing. Devin explains that he lent it to Morgan so Morgan could move in with Anna. A discussion ensues about how much money Morgan makes, which is about $12 an hour. As which well he, makes as- the, he makes the same as Chuck. Morgan's a green shirt. I just was surprised by that. Yeah, I guess you would think that there would be a little bit of a pay bump for the yeah. nerd herd. Yeah. Uh, they also talk about Morgan's other asset, which is a $500 comic book collection. Devin explains that him investing in Morgan was really an investment in Morgan's future. We hear a honking outside, and Chuck tells Ellie and Devin that Morgan used the check from Devin to buy the barely functioning DeLorean from the Buy More, and they are pissed. Devin vows to get their money back. At Castle... Casey and Sarah talk to Beckman, who, once again, relying on inbound cases, says that Sarah and Casey should help Sarah's dad make the deal with the Sheik so that the CIA can identify the Sheik's offshore accounts and freeze them so he will stop funding terrorists. This is crazy. That's crazy. Casey's all, hey, isn't that fraud? But then Beckman says that that would imply that the CIA has knowledge of the deal. Wink, wink. Again, crazy. Beckman suggests working with Sarah's dad to make the sale seem legit. At the buy more, Devin storms in and demands to know where Morgan is. Jeff and Lester make a bunch of bad Back to the Future jokes, and Jeff reveals that if he could go anywhere in time, he would go to the scene of Lester's birth so he could, quote, see the look on his face as he emerges from the vaginal canal. This was horrible. That was the worst. Uh, I laughed so hard at that line. It was crazy yeah it was very it took me so off guard (laughs) uh lester reveals that morgan went to the dmv to get the car registered and anna overhears devin say that the money was for an apartment devin and anna both want to kill morgan for purchasing the delorean devin says he'll pluck morgan from head to toe what does that mean he's gonna remove all the hair from morgan's body oh my god okay that's not i didn't i had no idea what it could possibly mean so that's All right. Yes, that would suck. (laughs) Morgan happens to return at this exact moment and says that Anna and Devin will relax when they see the license plate he got for the DeLorean. And guess what? It says Da Morgan. Da Morgan. Lester gives him a thumbs up while Devin says that if Morgan doesn't get him his money back in the next 24 hours, he will pluck him from head to toe. Anna then implies that she will not be having sex with Morgan again. I mean, good. That's that's a good decision on her part. Please stop. Back at Sarah's apartment, Sarah convinces her dad to continue with the sale of the building without blowing her cover. Uh, Jack likes the idea of working with Sarah for the massive heist, but Sarah says that if he wants to work with her, he needs to work with Chuck and Casey as well. Uh, We haven't mentioned, but Gary Cole, a.k.a. Jack, uses a lot of different nicknames for Chuck, one of which is Chippy, that he refers to Chuck throughout the episode. Yeah, he gets his name wrong, presumably on purpose. He calls him Chippy, Charlie, etc. Anyhow. Jack agrees to work with them and he sets up some parameters for the mission. For example, they will use uh, Casey's debit card, a.k.a. the CIA's debit card to transfer the money since they don't trust Gary Cole, a.k.a. Jack. Also, Chuck needs to sit there and not say a word if he is pretending to not speak English. Also, Casey's new name is Copface. Yes, he does have a cop face. I don't uh, know if I just uh, if I just took that because it was being presented to me. Like if I just saw him on the street, if I would say he looked like a cop. But I think he does have a cop face. He does have a cop face. They uh, further break down their plan, which is as followed. A, they're going to evacuate the current building management. And B, they're going to redesign and redecorate the building's decor to make it seem like a building that is uh, or a company called Liechtenstein Enterprises. That's uh, what they're going to do. That's what they're going to do, and God damn it, they pull it off without a hitch. It Jack- seems, sorry, um, it seems like that plan shouldn't work, <laughs> but I also, I love this shit. Like, I was so ex- like, I was so happy. I love these, like, Ocean's Eleven con things. Like, <laughs> I liked when they were, like, putting paneling over the actual building's names to make it say Lichtenstein. I was just at the edge of my seat. I was like, yes! <laughs> um... 
And then the final step of their plan is to make the Sheik think that they do not want to sell the building and that he is getting a deal. So so how do they do that, Chris? In order to evoke this, uh, the Sheik enters into Liechtenstein Enterprises and we hear Jack, who's in his character as the agent of the uh, of Liechtenstein. We hear him pretending to talk to somebody else on the phone and he says, quote, I don't care if Mr. Trump calls. The building's not for sale. I'll see him next week in New York. Now, Aaron, I don't know if you're ready for an interesting Easter egg, Mm. but it's a little known fact that this is a reference to Donald Trump, who is now the 45th president of the United States. So if this episode was coming out now, he would say, I don't care if Mr. Trump calls the building is no longer for sale. I'll see him later in Washington. Interesting tidbit. Or maybe he'll say, I don't care if Mr. Trump calls. And then uh, that's that's the end. Oh God! Yeah, I was, it was I, I was watching this as a form of escapism, and I was not ready for that. Sarah, who is posing as the receptionist, and Jack bring the sheik and his entourage into the meeting room where Chuck is waiting as Mister Lichtenstein. He's in Sarah- front of the window, and it's a very Fifty Shades of Grey moment where he's like got his hands in his pocket. He's like he's uh, he's the master of the universe, as E. L. James might say. I don't understand any of those references. Someone Sarah, might. Sarah explains to the Sheik that they need a 3% deposit to take the building off the market, and then they can begin the meeting. The Sheik insists on talking to Chuck himself, so Sarah begins to translate, but the Sheik says that he doesn't trust Sarah, so he brought his own German translator. <gasps> and this is bad news for Chuck. However, not much worse than just having Sarah speak German to him, since Chuck does not speak German, would you probably not know how to like respond non-verbally to what's saying. Yeah, I was saying. wondering that too. Uh, so then Chuck decides to improvise and he decides to speak English in a bad German accent. Very, very bad German accent. <laughs> On the ground floor where Casey is watching guard as Copface, the actual management team from the building returns to the lobby and he overhears them saying that nobody called for exterminators and they're headed back up to the office. Uh, I guess it's important to note that they were uh, posing as exterminators earlier. Sarah and Chuck decide to call off the deal, and Sarah offers to wire the money back to the Sheik. Chuck is trying to get the Sheik and his team out of the office. However, the Sheik is not having it. Meanwhile, the management team is coming back up in the elevator. Although, you wouldn't notice this if you looked at the displays in the elevators, which show them going down several floors. (laughs) I did not look at that, so thank you for that little tidbit. I don't know how I picked this stuff up. The Sheik finally declares that the Liechtenstein team is crazy and that he has had enough. He's buying the building. That's that. He types his account information into Sarah's computer and Sarah, Chuck and Jack head out of the building going down just as the actual management team arrives on their executive floor. The building manager asks who the Sheik is and what he's doing there and also why there's a sign that says Liechtenstein Enterprises. Back at Sarah's apartment, the gang celebrate their success. Jack is pleased but in a rush to get out of there. So he says goodbye (laughs) to everyone and heads out as Beckman calls Casey. Casey reports that the mission was a success, but Beckman says that she never received the account information from the Sheik. At this point, they realize that Sarah's spy computer is gone. Oh, no. Jack outsmarted all of them and took the Sheik's money and ran off. He lied about going to get ice. Never go get ice in a film. It's a bad idea. The following morning, Chuck visits Sarah at her apartment with coffee and croissants. Chuck apologizes for how things went down the previous day, and Sarah is unfazed if not slightly disappointed that their mission was a failure because of her dad but she knows that her dad will show up again somewhere i Uh, remember this scene um from when i first watched the show because mm. chuck makes a reference to um how he got over a lot of the betrayal issues with his dad through therapy and i remember watching this and saying chuck does therapy maybe it's okay if i do therapy and then i started doing therapy a week later is that true yeah that's a true story media (laughs) is important everyone meanwhile at castle casey's hanging out putting some guns in a backpack you know just chilling yeah as Be- you do when beckman calls him and asks him if he's alone Ooh, more fan fiction don't be ridiculous <laughs> she says that they located jack and she wants to send casey out to handle it himself since it is a sensitive subject casey agrees and heads out can i say something about this i just think this is like a really bold move on beckman's part that she just like pops up on the screen and says are you alone like she called him before couldn't she just have called his personal cell phone 
Is this something that, I mean, because we obviously we film or record this over video call, kind of like Beckman. So I think I'm just going to start calling you over <laughs> Zoom randomly, sure. unannounced, and just being like, hey. Hey. Are you by yourself? I need to, need to talk to you about Chuck. <laughs> Without warning. Yep. It's a good. sensitive subject. Yep. Back at the buy more, Morgan walks down a hall saying, where am I going to get $2,500? <laughs> That's pretty uh, good, order, Morgan. In order to remind us of this B-plot, he approaches Chuck, who is do doing something in the large appliance section of the Buy More. It's always a good time when we're in that the appliance section, you know? Yeah. Washing machines. And... That was always my favorite part of uh, Sears. Yeah. Morgan asks Chuck to borrow $2,500 to pay off Devin. As Casey closes in on Jack in downtown Los Angeles, Sarah has one of her signature anger processing kickbox sessions where she has multiple flashbacks about moments from her past, kicking the hell out of a punching bag. Casey breaks into the apartment that Jack was located in, but he's not there, and there seems to have been a struggle as the apartment is turned upside down. Sarah's phone rings as she's working out, and it's Jack. He's been captured by the Sheik. The Sheik demands to get his money back from Sarah. Sarah says that she will kill the Sheik if he hurts her father, and the Sheik says that he doesn't want it to come to that. He just wants his money back. Sarah doesn't know what to do, because she wasn't able to track the source of the Sheik's call. How is she going to find him? How is she going to get him the money? Where's the money? Back at the Buy More, Chuck is using an ATM in the break room of the Buy More that we've never seen before to access his debit account with the Buy More Credit Union, which we've also never heard of before, <laughs> but is apparently a thing. Yep. So he can give money to Morgan uh, so his future brother-in-law doesn't turn Morgan into a naked bull rat of a man. Did he say that? No, I think that's my okay. creative flourish right, All right. there. That's, that's gonna, pretty good. He's going to pluck him. Yeah, I thought this was uh, pretty interesting considering that we learned earlier in the episode that Chuck only has $2,200 in his account. And with daily expenses and the dinner they went to, he probably is down to two grand by now. And he's going to give it all to Morgan? Yep. It's very generous. Yeah, Chuck's a generous guy. So he looks into his account on his ATM and he freezes. He has over $10 million <gasps> in his account. I just want to point out something here that um, the $10 million is in Chuck's account, but there's still almost a million that Jack just had. So when the Sheik is saying he wants his money back, I think he wants the 700000 as well, like the finder's fee from the beginning. Like, everybody just forgets about that in the face of $10 million. I mean, I know it's all relative, but, like, still amount of money. Are you working for the Sheik? I can neither confirm nor deny. Fair enough. In Castle, Sarah is preparing to take down Ahmad and his man all on her own. Chuck rushes in and tells her about the $10 million in his account. Sarah is confused why Jack would give the money to Chuck. Chuck hopes that the money has nothing to do with Jack and is actually the CIA compensating him for his work. So we have proof here that he doesn't get paid for all that he does. <laughs> I think and he that's... thinks he, er he deserves $10 million? Well, I think he deserves something. I mean, back pay. It's been like a year. <laughs> But Sarah and Casey don't even have $10 million. We will know that. How does, how does Sarah uh, afford her hotel that she lives ah, in? It. You're right. I guess they could just live beneath their means. Wouldn't be that <laughs> surprising. Sarah leaves and Chuck runs to the Bymore to tell Casey that Sarah went off with a bunch of guns. Casey runs out of the Bymore. Chuck immediately asks Morgan for the keys to Jim Morgan. Everyone says it's personal like 500 times. In this episode, it's not. It's complicated. It's It's personal. Sarah arrives somewhere, a parking garage or a rooftop or whatever, uh, to meet Ahmad. He asks for his money, and she asks to see her father. We get some really good emotion from Sarah in this sequence, where she's obviously furious with her dad and his betrayal, but she still loves him and wants to help him so he doesn't die. It's kind of a complicated emotion, and it's very well acted. I wrote down Classic. here that I'm kind of into Ahmad, so that's <laughs> okay. You can think of that what you will. Ahmad sends one of his henchmen to check the duffel bag Sarah has for money. He looks through them, and they obviously don't have any money in them. The henchman stands up and says nothing, and Sarah is about to pull out her gun when De Morgan arrives. Chuck comes slowly up with a laptop. Surely. Yes, slowly but surely. I don't know if we've established this, but it can only go 22 miles an hour. I do not think we have, but that's important. Now you know. It was very slow. Yes. Chuck comes out with a laptop with some kind of big wireless router thing attached to it so he can have Wi-Fi out in the wild. I remember those. I really wanted one back when I was a child. Uh, he says that he'll transfer Ahmad the money. All he needs is Ahmad's account number. As Ahmad is typing it in, we see the number transferring to Casey's computer. We get a little insight into the mind of our good friend John when he says, He's in Flan Bartowski, but I'll never tell him that. I don't know who <laughs> he's talking to, but he says it. 
Once the transfer is complete, Ahmad tells his men to kill Jack, Sarah, and Chuck. Fortunately, Casey rolls up in his latest Crown Vic and pretends to be the U.S. Treasury Department. He cuffs Chuck and grabs Sarah, who tells Ahmad and his men that if they testify against Lichtenstein and the crew, they'll get their weapons charges dropped. When Ahmad is distracted, Sarah and Casey both pull their guns. Unfortunately, Ahmad still has Jack, so he tells Sarah to lower her weapon or he'll kill her father. It's kind of similar to that moment with Chuck and Bryce earlier in this season. Sarah is uh, does not have a problem with shooting her dad, though, because Jack nods at her and he she shoots him in the shoulder. Mm. Ahmad is pretty shocked by this, so I guess Ahmad loves his dad and wouldn't have shot him. She <laughs> says, uh, if I did that to him, imagine what I'll do to you. There's a big shootout. All the henchmen get killed. Um, Ahmad escapes into Morgan, but that's not really a problem because, as we've just established, it only goes 22 miles an hour. Um, then the scene ends, and we move back to Castle, where Beckman is talking to Casey and Sarah for a mission report. Sarah is pretty apologetic about her dad's behavior, but Casey sticks up for Jack and says that maybe, uh, although they are definitely going to arrest him for his crimes, maybe they can be a little more lenient because he was indispensable to the mission. Once Beckman is gone, Sarah says thank you, and it's a kind of sweet friendship moment between them. Apparently, Chuck did not tell Morgan anything about his car that Chuck borrowed being stolen, so uh, Morgan finds out completely uh, not from Chuck the next day and says, hey, did you know that De Morgan got stolen? Morgan is very excited about this, luckily for Chuck. He says he's going to get blue book value for the car, so he'll have money to pay back Devin and some to spare. Anna is excited about this because it means she can do their living room in shabby chic. I remember when that was a thing. Morgan says he's got to grow up sometime. Unfortunately, right at that moment, Jeff and Lester run up to say there's yet another car in the Bymore's mysterious garage. I had to look up what this one was, but apparently it's the car from the Dukes of Hazard. Did you know mm -hmm. that? I did. Okay, I didn't know that. Uh, Were you just thinking, like, please, for the love of God, Morgan, do not buy a car with a Confederate I, flag yeah, on it? Yeah, well, I was kind of, yeah, I was like, who in L.A. had this? But, uh, uh, yeah. TV studio. The appeal of that car was not as great, but Morgan may or may not be tempted. We don't really find out. We just cut as there's a needle drop of the chicka chicka song. Oh. I like Ferris Bueller. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that one. Back at her apartment slash hotel, Sarah is helping her dad into a sling. He tells her she's a good shot. She looks at the clock. It's 4.55, and Beckman said the cops were coming at 5. Sarah asks Jack if he'll go get her some ice cream. As he's leaving, she asks why he put the money in Chuck's account. He says it's because he read Chuck and he trusted that Chuck would never betray Sarah. Sarah says, Dad, and it seems like it's going to be kind of a confessional moment. And maybe it kind of is because they both do some really good eye acting. But then uh, <laughs> she just asked for a double scoop. So the eyes say it all. Outside the apartment slash hotel, Jack runs into Chuck. Jack calls Chuck Charlie and Chuck says he's grown accustomed to schnook. I don't think we ever heard Jack call Chuck Schnook to his face, though, so I'm not really sure why he says this. Whatever. Jack thanks Chuck for being there for Sarah, just as a bunch of cop cars show up. Jack and Chuck hide behind a bush while Sarah comes out and tells the cops Jack is already gone. Jack asks Chuck if his daughter is some kind of cop. Chuck says something like that. Jack says he's proud of how Sarah turned out even with a lousy father and asks Chuck to take care of her. Chuck goes to comfort Sarah and tells Sarah that Jack will be back. Sarah says, no, he won't. Chuck looks over his shoulder, and despite all the cops still being there, Jack is still right there. I don't know why no one else sees him. I wondered if maybe he had been a ghost the whole time, but then he disappears, so we'll never really know. <clears throat> well, you I think see? that they didn't. They, I don't know if they knew what he looked like. I'm sure they must have, but yeah. I thought that they were just going, planning on going to Sarah's apartment and arresting the middle-aged man that was there, <sighs> but they didn't know what he actually looked like when he was walking by them yeah. casually. Oh, okay. Because so if you see? remember, if you remember, Aaron... A good con man can leave town whenever he wants. A yeah. great con man. So uh, con he, man. he can leave town whenever he wants, and he does. Walk right by the police. Yes. There is a uh, shot of the sunset over the L.A. skyline, and that's it. That's all she wrote. And I think uh, Sarah at some point reminisces about her, apparently her only memory of her father from growing up, which was the truck thing. I think she should have also remembered the high school reunion. She should have remembered, <laughs> like, when she was an awkward teenager. When she had her full-size body, but yes. different hair and braces. Yes, yeah. And Dick Duffy. Just, just throw him in there. Chuck versus the DeLorean. More like Morgan versus the DeLorean, right? Well, I guess they could have called it Chuck versus DeMorgan, but I guess that would have been confusing. <laughs> little, a little on the nose. Or yeah. it could have been Devin and Anna versus the DeLorean. There you go. Yeah, yep. Think about that. 
I, I so, am thinking about it. Episode 10 of season two. Yep. So I have some facts for us from our friends at Wikipedia. You do? Yep. Um, this is just something I, I don't really know uh, what the meaning of it is, but Gary Cole's casting as Sarah's father was announced on September 8th, 2008. The episode aired December 8th, 2008. So they announced it pretty early. I don't know if they said it was Sarah's father, um, but they did announce that Gary Cole would be in Chuck. I don't know who they announced it to. I don't know. This is just a fact from Wikipedia, but I thought it was pretty interesting that it was several months before. You're harping on me earlier in the episode about talking about time and even though it's irrelevant in the the podcast universe you're going to mention that gary cole was announced on september 8th 2008 yes i thought it was interesting what you said wasn't interesting (laughs) i'm continuing the trend of the truck writers using the names of um famous athletes or obscure athletes whatever you want to say um the alias that sarah's father uses at his hotel is guido merkins There is apparently a real Guido Merkins who played nine seasons in the NFL with the Houston Oilers, New Orleans Saints, and Philadelphia Eagles. So, hello, Guido Merkins. I hope you are listening to this podcast now. We like your name very much. Assuming you're not dead. Something that I thought was very interesting was that Sarah's dad goes by Jack Burton. You may remember from the High School Reunion episode that Sarah's name was Jenny Burton. They seem to have had many different names over the years, so I don't know why these are the ones that they stuck with. I don't know why he doesn't go by... because. She has an original name, like, because she was going to tell Chuck, like, what her real name was, and then she doesn't. So I would assume that his real name would be her real name, but he's still going by Jack Burton. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really know, but apparently it's a reference to the anti-hero character in Big Trouble in Little China. Fun oh. fact. And uh, my last fact is that the DeLorean, as we have mentioned a little bit too late, stalls out at 22 miles per hour. This is exactly one quarter the speed the car from Back to the Future needs to attain to time travel, which is 88 miles per hour. That is verbatim from Wikipedia, so thank you for that quote. Presumably that was intentional in some capacity, I don't know what it's meant to convey, but exactly a quarter of the speed. Um, Now I would like to move us into a uh, segment called... Enter the home theater room, or just the home theater room. I am kind of unclear on what it has been called. We change it every week. Yes. So we're uh, we're in the home theater room, however we got there, and we are not going to hook up with Morgan. We are shutting the blinds. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, have fun, Chris. Chris may be hooking up with Morgan. I, I really hate this. I don't want to talk about my dad while you're doing this. I can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> I thought um, I would take us on a trip down memory road. This was a very dad-heavy episode, and I thought that we could talk about our dads. I I was thinking, grift-wise, there's always the ever-present, like, when you go to a theme park and it's, like, kids under 12 or kids under 7 get a certain rate. So there was a lot of, like, that kind of thing going on where I would be, like, 9, but I would want to pass as 6, where I would wear pigtails, and I would, like, try to look younger so we could get a lower rate. (laughs) Did you not do that? Wear pigtails? Well, you were I guess, yeah, I guess. To, you, to be a six-year-old girl? No. You were born looking like an adult, so I guess you could probably never do this, but... Wait, did you go back in time and watch me exit the vaginal canal? <laughs> yes, I saw the look on your face. <laughs> the adult look on my face? Yes. Um, but I wanted to talk about some memories of my dad, just in general, not, not grift. Did that work? Did you get all those discounts? Yeah, because no one gives a fuck. Like, no one cares. They're like, yes, okay. I give a fuck. Sometimes they would ask you and be like, are you six, little girl? Or something like that. But most of the time they were like, yeah, that's whatever. (laughs) Yes. So that's the kind of thing you can only pull off with like an only child, though, you know? Because if you have two kids, I feel like it's, I don't know. I don't, well, if you had, like, one younger kid, because I think we would do it with my cousins, too. Like, they would be younger than me, so it would just be like, all those kids are young. You heard it here first, everyone. The Arata family has been scamming amusement parks across this great country of ours. Yes, yeah. I'm going to file a class action lawsuit in conjunction. Conjecture? Conjunction. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? <laughs> Tell us about your dad. Yeah, so the stories I wanted to share about my dad were just uh, memories from my childhood about my dad sharing uh, classic cinema with me. Oh. So um, when I was probably actual an actual six-year-old, um, my, my dad... Uh, my, my mom used to work one night a week, and my dad would be in charge of me, and that would be uh, his time to educate me on classic cinema, I guess. So we, we watched some movies together. I think the first R-rated movie I ever saw was the Stephen King film Stand By Me. I saw that 
pretty young, maybe not six, but I saw it pretty young. But at a at a very young age, my dad called me in and he said, "Hey, I'd like you to watch this uh, this film, this this classic scene from this classic film." And I said, "Okay." And uh, it was it was about a man, and he he really really liked his prize racehorse. It was his prized possession, and I could relate to that. My dad said, "You know, you like horses. This man really likes his horse." And I was like, "Okay, I'm on board." Uh, and uh, then uh, it was the Godfather. And the next scene was the horse's head ends up in the man's bed. So I was terrified to go to sleep in my bed because I thought I would wake up with a horse head next to me. So that was that was the first time this happened. The second time this happened, maybe maybe a couple months, maybe a year later, my dad said, "Hey, I've got another, <laughs> I've got another uh, fear fear to instill in you forever." He said, "Please watch uh, the shower scene from Psycho with me." So uh, my dad, not so much of a grifter, but classic classic cinema cinephile. He's showing me uh, all the things, and I was afraid to uh, bathe and sleep as a child. <laughs> it's just so funny because I was picturing your dad like sitting in the living room, being like, "I'm so bored. What should I do?" God, it'd be really funny if I like. <laughs> Like, hey, you like that horse? Yeah, is that his horse? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's, I, I think that's probably what happened. So many good bits. Yeah. So many good bits when you have a child that you can traumatize. You know what You know what they say? A great con man can leave town whenever he wants. A great dad. <laughs> I, wanted you, I wanted you to add more. No, I'm just, that's what they say. A great dad can leave town whenever he wants. That's sad. <laughs> my dad did not leave. Well, I guess my dad did leave town because now my dad is traveling the country. With, well, to be with fair, you mom, left town first. Yes. Yeah. It uh, was expected. It was not unexpected. Uh, so uh, now, now I guess we can do Chuck Mary Kill. I said at the beginning of this episode that this was not a therapy session for you. However, I feel like you just kind of steamrolled over that. And we're What's just an episode like, about dad? What do you want? Uh, I want Chuck Mary Kill. Yes. Okay. That's what I want. Yeah. I want Chuck Mary Kill, where we name one part of this episode that we want to marry and one part of this episode that we want to kill. I'm going to say that my Mary this week, Gary Cole. That's really nice. Also, I am going to give a Mary to. I'm married by default to the DeLorean because when I saw the title of this episode, I was kind of like, eh, because I'm like, that's probably gonna be like a lot of bad and stupid references to Back to the Future mm-hmm. and jokes like that. But mm-hmm. I feel like they didn't actually do that too much. I yeah, felt like they, they did, did, they did one, a pretty good job. And that was it. Um, but I liked how it served as kind of a metaphor for Morgan not wanting to go to the future mm-hmm. and going to the past mm-hmm. and not wanting to um, evolve as a person. So I appreciate like it. Tom Sawyer. A, yes. Modern day warrior, mean mean stride. I mean, know, mean I know. pride. Oh, okay, fine. Um, and I think it's also it's comical. I think that he buys it in the first place with yeah. all that money yeah. that he Devin trusted him with. Yes. So that's where that's I'm a, at. That's a good one. I um, mine is that apparently Emmett found Jeff's underwear in the back seat of a nerd herder, so he's having all of them reupholstered as a safety precaution. Um, that's something we find out earlier in the episode. It's kind of a throwaway line where Chuck says he wants to take a nerd herder to uh, fuck off from work, and um, he can't, <laughs> so he has to borrow Morgan's bike. But I thought this was yet another good thing that Emmett is doing for the store. I thought it was very smart and safe of him, and very health conscious. So once again, I am on his side, and uh, this is my Mary. thought it was a good idea. My kill. Where Devin and Ellie go? They were like in the first part of the episode and I was looking forward to some more Morgan Devin interactions mm-hmm. and then they just disappeared. Yeah, you that's know? that's too bad. Um, I think that there definitely could have been more of them. I think that's fair. I don't know if yeah. that's a kill exactly. What What is your kill? That was my kill. Your kill is that they are not in the episode. So you would kill that and by then they would be in the episode. Yes. Okay. okay. If you want something more conventional, I was going to lay in a little bit more to the ATM in the break room. Okay. Have you ever had an ATM in a break room? I've ne- I never have. I like. I believe that there could be one. We've just never seen it. My kill is pretty simple. I just didn't. I. I guess I like the idea of another car showing up that Morgan can be tempted by. But the Dukes of Hazard car was just alarming to see. Just uh, having like General Lee supported and the Confederate flag. I was just. Uh, I had a lot of confusion about it, and I. Di- I didn't like to see it on my television screen. I thought it 
could have been like I'm sure there are other famous cars, like even the car from Ferris Bueller. Like if they were gonna play the song from Ferris Bueller, I think that would have been fine. So that's my kill. Now I'd like to move us into the Spooter scale. We are going to rank this uh, season two, episode ten of Chuck using our Spooter scale with zero corn dogs being the lowest and five corn dogs being the highest. I am going to give this episode a 3.5 corn dogs. I thought uh, Gary Cole's performance is probably 2.5 of those. I thought the uh, performances, Gary Cole particularly, but also Chuck, Sarah, uh, like even Morgan. I was a little bit, like, I hate to say this, but I was a little bit, not sympathetic exactly, but like, I I think Morgan is growing on me just a little bit, maybe because he's not being so uh, inherently awful this season. But I was um, I was pretty engaged with this episode. I think that uh, there were some aspects of it that probably could have been a little better. Maybe the con could have been a little bit more compelling. I know some reviewers uh, thought that they could have done a little bit. There could have been higher stakes. There could have been like a little bit more than just like repaneling with the Liechtenstein name. But I generally enjoyed the episode. I thought it was good. I thought the performance was, were great. So I'm going to give it 3.5 corn dogs. Chris, what would you give it? I myself am going to give this episode a 3.5 on the scooter scale. Uh, it didn't really wow me necessarily, but I did enjoy it enough. Uh, Gary Cole, I think, as I said, does a good job. I do think that there are some tender scenes, especially between him and Sarah as father and daughter. Um, but, you know, I also appreciated kind of the wacky scenes. I feel like they really committed to it and really went for it in this episode. So I 3.5. I It didn't wow me. Like I said, I don't think it's going to be one of my favorites, but I did not did not mind it at all. Um, and on that note, I think we are running a tad bit long on this episode. So I think we should just uh, hop in our own DeLorean and get back to our own time. Signing off. My name is Chris Gillespie reminding you that food is sexy. And I'm Aaron Arata letting you know that anything is possible. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.